In just a few days, after a long year of inflation, debates over reproductive health care, and multiple global conflicts, California voters will be headed to the polls to cast their ballots and decide who will represent them for the next several years. I'm your host, Alexandra Leal, and welcome back to Democracy Is, a podcast dedicated to highlighting the work that has been done, the progress that must be made, and reminding us all that there is always hope for an equitable democracy. Throughout our previous episodes, we have dived deep into different democracy-related topics and explored how sometimes dense or complicated issues impact our communities. For our season finale, we thought it would be fun to turn around the tables and discuss what election season looks like for California Common Cause and other key players as we work together to make sure the election goes smoothly. Over the past six months, we have been busy analyzing the primary in June and preparing for the upcoming general election. But our election prep reaches back even earlier than that. Every year, our team is working with the state legislature to develop and pass voting rights reform that will make voter registration and casting a ballot easier. Over the last 15 years or so, we've worked on passing and then implementing online voter registration, automatic voter registration, the vote center voting model, and a variety of other reforms. That work intensifies right before an election as we prepare to put hundreds of volunteer poll monitors into the field while voting is happening to assist voters, stop voter intimidation, and to check for things like language access and disability access at voting sites. Although it requires an extreme amount of effort and time to prepare for an election, Ensuring a free and fair vote for every eligible Californian is central to the work we do here at California Common Cause, and we want to take you behind the scenes. But of course, it's not just California Common Cause that is putting in this work this time of year. Election administrators have some of the hardest jobs in America, and they do it with zero margin for error and an increasing degree of threats and harassment. And our volunteer poll monitors are regular folks like you and me who work multi-hour shifts for no pay on election day and in the early voting period just to do every last thing they can to make sure everyone can cast their ballot. Two of our interns, Ashika and Aishat, each had the opportunity to sit down with a key player in our field to discuss what election season looks like for them and their work. Hello, my name is Ashika, and I am the voting and elections intern for California Common Cause. The election is coming up on November 8th, and every year there are more and more aspects added to voting in California. Here's two quick examples. We're still in our first few elections where every voter gets a vote-by-mail ballot, and we're still seeing new counties transition to the Voters' Choice Act election model every cycle. We wanted to peek behind the scenes of running an incredibly complicated California election. So we invited Neil Kelly, the former Registrar of Voters for Orange County, California, and well-respected national leader in election administration to talk with us. Neil talks about the non-stop work that comes with election season, the challenges that have risen during his time at the Registrar of Voters, such as the increasing intimidation against election officials across the country, and the improvements his office was able to make in order to increase voter turnout and community outreach. 
California Common Cause is proud to partner with Registrar of Voters or ROVs throughout the state. We both learn from and support ROVs, but we also push them to do better and hold them accountable when necessary. Through it all, we have huge respect for them. Without our elections officials, California's safe and secure elections wouldn't be possible. How did you become involved with elections work? Uh, kind of an unusual story, probably different than most uh, clerks or registrar voters. I was in the private sector for half of my professional career and uh, built my own company. And I sold that to a national firm. After I sold that, that firm filed bankruptcy for bankruptcy. And so I was in the job market and I had run for public office. I was very involved in local politics. I was in the retail sector many things that kind of aligned with elections and Orange County launched an electronic voting system in 2003 and had a lot of issues with it. And so they were looking for somebody from the outside. And after several months of interviews, I was brought on as the deputy. And eight months after that, I became the registrar of voters. So in your years of being um, an elections official, specifically the registrar of voters, what are the most impactful changes you've seen in election administration and law? Oh my gosh, there's there's so many. That's a great question because it's hard to really narrow down um, and focus on a couple. But having thought about it a little bit, I can tell you that vote centers, I think in California was a sea change when it comes to elections and how voters, you know, experience uh, in-person voting, even voting at home. And that really just changed everything for uh, voters across California. And even though not every county is using vote centers, I think that's probably one of the biggest changes, certainly that I saw in, in 20 years. And by the way, that vote centers encompass so many things, you know, changes in technology and changes in the voter experience and how ballots are handled and counted. And it, it's just so huge, the change that was made. And so I think that's the biggest for me. With not as many election years experience as you, I also agree with that. Um, that's definitely a great answer. And going off of impactful ways, what are the most impactful ways you've seen how the public views elections and treats elections officials? Well, I would say that things have gotten worse over time since I have been in this business. When I first came in, there wasn't the level of animosity and, you know, just flat out non-believers that don't believe that election results are true. And I think that's probably the biggest change when it comes to how voters are looking at things. But I also think that that's not, you know, necessarily across the board, the average voter thinking that way. I really don't believe that. Yes, there are people that have concerns and fears about elections. And I think in some cases they're warranted because we need to be transparent in this business. But those election deniers and people that are spreading misinformation have just done a big disservice to democracy. And I think that's the biggest problem. Okay, thank you. What were your primary responsibilities of a county elections official? Right, sure. So I, I think it's a great question because I don't think the average individual really knows, you know, what a registrar of voters does on a daily basis. Primarily three things. The first is, and very important, is handling voter records and maintaining voter registration. That is really an important 
process that's handled by the county election official. So when you register to vote, that data is input by the election official, it's maintained by the election official, and it's used in elections and petition verification. The second is just what I started to talk there about was petitions. And when individuals or organizations want to petition their government, the registrar of voters, county election official is the one that handles those petitions and verifies whether they're valid or not. And then the third is the most public facing, and that is running election. In California, you kind of have a mix because you have some counties where they handle all of the elections in the county, meaning the cities, the local jurisdictions, the school districts, et cetera. And then you have other counties that kind of handle a mix where like in Los Angeles, you have the city of Los Angeles that conducts their own elections and then the county conducts other elections. In Orange County, where I was, I was responsible for every election that was conducted, meaning all 34 cities, every county election, state, federal, et cetera. So kind of a big task. Think about it. Yeah, definitely. That is a lot of counties and cities to handle. Um, So during your time as a registrar, what are one or two improvements your office made in ensuring voting access that you're most proud of? Yeah, I think there's just so many, but I think one of the things that I learned early on was that it was so important to the community that we were accessible and transparent. And just to kind of take that a little bit further, Orange County is a very diverse county. And I think a lot of people that may not be as familiar with the county stereotype it and thinking it, well, it's kind of like the 1970s when, you know, it was 75, 80% Republican and, you know, it was all suburban, et cetera. It's very different now. And so there are multiple languages are spoken in Orange County. There's a very broad level of outreach that's conducted, and it's very important to reach out to communities of color and to those that need language support and assistance. And so I'm very proud of the work that we've done in that space and particularly taking the requirements of the Federal Voting Rights Act and even the State Voting Rights Act and going beyond what was required. And for instance, recruiting 20% higher than we needed to in polling places, providing additional language support materials in in areas where we didn't need to do that under the law. And so I'm really, really proud of that. Just to kind of give you one anecdotal example that was really meaningful. We were looking for ways to improve language support and vote centers and wanted to do something that, let's say for instance, you needed Spanish support and you lived in Anaheim, but you were voting in Laguna Beach. How would you get that if we didn't have that support there? So we put in video conferencing just like you and I are doing. And so people that need that language support can now get it in a vote center by talking to somebody face to face just like this. So it's those kinds of things that I'm very proud of and and the work that we've done. Very cool. Um, I love the heightened accessibility that's that we can see throughout all your work. And so just now we were talking about um, one or two improvements your office made that you were most proud of. And the next question is going to be the flip side of that. So what's one example of one or two challenges your office faced in ensuring voting access? Yeah, that that's interesting. You know, when we moved to all mail balloting, um, and I did that before the state made that change, you know, that's that's really important to ensure that voters with disabilities have access. And so I think there was a there is certainly a challenge to not only reaching out to that community, but to make sure that if they chose to vote independently, what options did they have and did they have the right options? So I think that's always a challenge to make sure you get that right. I mean, if 
If you're doing something to make improvements for voters at large, obviously it has to include voters at large, meaning every single voter. That was a challenge, but we overcame that and, and had opportunities that were there for voters with disabilities to cast vote, vote ballots independently. And so I'm, I'm proud of that too. Great. And going off of reaching out to different communities, voters at large, does the public help shape the administration of elections? And if so, how did your staff review the input you received? Yes, I really found that to be very helpful. And I thought that that was really an important tool that we used. In 2010, I created what we called the Community Election Working Group. And that was made up of, you know, many counties have maybe an advisory board or what the state requires for disability, voters with disabilities or voters with language support. But I wanted to go beyond that and to expand that to a large advisory board that was made up of voters with disabilities, voters with language support, but also city clerks and veterans and the members of the senior community, members of the youth community, colleges and universities. And we grew this board to over 30 people that represented the community and provided provided input on a quarterly basis to us. And so they were champions, not only of, of what we were doing, but also of the community and saying, look, this is where we need to be focusing our efforts. And so we we took that specific input and put that into action. And, you know, we're really proud of that because we did end up winning awards for that Q group. And, but more importantly, the community had a very important say in what we did and direct input in what we did. So that was the primary way that the ROV in Orange County engaged with different communities? Correct. The primary way. But keep in mind, there was a lot of other things that we did. But I think that was certainly one of the more visible things that we did. Would you be able to go into some of the other ways you engage with those communities? Sure. I hired support staff that was familiar with the communities, lived in the communities, and worked directly with members of the community. And those individuals um, spoke the languages that were supported they were directly involved in translating those materials. I was, we were one of the first counties in California to have all of our support staff become court certified translators. And so those types of outreach directly with the community, whether it was at a local chamber or local television, things that our staff did to reach out to the community was really important in ensuring that we were providing the right level of materials, but also done the right way very inspiring to hear how you were able to really reach those communities of interest. Sure. Um, my next question is going to go into more your direct experience as an elections official. So how intense does it get for an elections office leading up to a massive election like this one? <laughs> That's a good question. It gets extremely intense. It can wear on you. And it's important to note that some election officials need to take time out for themselves because the level of scrutiny, pressure, and work that comes with a large election in, in a position like I was in is enormous. I don't think I can understate that. You know, you hear people talk about certain industries and, and not really knowing or understanding what people go through because everybody in work environment has hardships. But this is, without a doubt, I think one of the hardest jobs in county government. And thankfully, it, you know, it's in cycles. It's not like you're dealing with that at level of intensity 365 days a year. But that being said, it's a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibility and a lot of work. Thank you for sharing that. As you know, California Common Cause runs poll monitoring programs, 
where we send volunteers into voting sites to check in on processes. What was your reaction to us being at the sites, whether that was calling in with problems or identifying things that with the ROV? I took a different approach than my predecessor did to groups that were poll monitoring and, and being active and ensuring that counties were doing the right things. And I welcome it, to be honest with you. And I felt that it was such a valuable partnership and I didn't view it in a negative way. I viewed it as only positive because having that extra set of eyes and ears out there and we're all looking for the same goal. And that is for voters to have a positive experience and to make sure that, you know, that there's access. Um, and so the feedback that I got from Common Cause and, and other groups was really helpful in shaping the way that we transformed our agency. And when I moved to vote centers in, in 2020, uh, that input was just tremendously helpful in shaping how we develop vote centers. Great. Um, I'm happy to hear that our services were helpful in that way, as well as other other organizations who are doing that. Yeah. And by the way, I'm retired. I don't have to tell you that. This is sincere. I, I really felt that and I still feel that that the work that Common Cause does and others with poll monitoring is is very helpful. Great. And thank you for clarifying that as well. <laughs> you said I have no bias. <laughs> um, so what factors to you have to be met to see an election cycle as a success to the ROV? I think there's a number of things that have to go into that. It, it has to be that the opportunity is there for any voter that wants to access the system. Um, and it has to be done without major problems or incidents. You need to have a ballot that is true and correct, meaning that there aren't mistakes on that ballot. All of those things come together to combine into what I would consider to be a successful election. Any one of those things that could go wrong can tip the scales in the other direction. And I'm sorry for the sports metaphor, but I mean, it's the same thing if you're if you're playing a game, you know, as a team, whether it's football, baseball, whatever. There are so many things that can go wrong on the individual level that can cause the game to slip away from you. It's a collective effort, it's a team effort, and all those inputs go into a successful election. Great, and we've talked a lot about the preparation for an election, what goes, what work goes in before, but what happens after election day? Well, in California, it ended up being a second election almost because you know you had almost half the ballots were arriving after election day or on. And I should clarify for people that always tell me, you mean you're accepting ballots after election day? Well, yes, they, but they were cast before polls closed on election night. For people that are listening, California has really expanded access through changes in the law to allow for these ballots to arrive because of postal delays or other things that might interfere with the election official getting ballots on time. So you're going through that process of just, you know, counting those that come in, but then you're also in the process of what we call the canvas period. And in California, you have 30 days to finalize the counting of the ballots, all of the audits that need to be conducted, which the average voter doesn't know about, which I think is good that you're getting this out, and going through and making sure that everything was done correctly and that you're looking for 
abnormalities or anomalies or things that you want to investigate further before you ever get to the point where you are certifying an election and putting people in power under the will of the voters. That's a very, very detailed process post-election. And how would you like to see elections improve in the future? I think that, that the voter experience can always be improved. I would love to see someday, you know, where we're in an environment where it's as easy to cast a ballot and as exciting and less complicated as it might be when you have a good experience, and this isn't always the best example to use, but when you have a good experience, let's say flying, or you have a good experience in a retail location, it should be seamless. You know, we, we shouldn't have the benefits of technology and things that it really improve our everyday life and not have that translate into voting because that's a part of what we do in our everyday life, you know? I would love to see the voter experiences continue to improve and to have the barriers chipped away at. And now we just have a few more questions about elected election officials' experiences, um, specifically around election time. So can you tell us about your firsthand experience as an elections official dealing with the threats and intimidation that so many election officials are encountering right now? Yeah, well, thank you for the question. And I think that that is one of the biggest problems we're facing right now. You know, it's always something in elections. And I think this is certainly top of mind right now, because when you look at what occurred in 2020, and you had individuals making outlandish claims about elections and about ballots not being counted correctly, et cetera, that that really causes and sows the seeds of doubt for everybody. And so my experience was that those minority uh, group of individuals really, I think, did some damage to voting at large because the, the average voter, I honestly believe, has generally positive experiences with voting. It's the ones that you hear that, that get amplified that really cause a problem. We've had election officials across the country that have been directly threatened. I had veiled threats that came into me in 2020. My colleagues in California, many of them had those threats. So I think that, you know, we need to be diligent about this. It's not the end of the world. I think if we're focused on this and we do things to reduce the risk, but it's not going to go away anytime soon. And uh, the work that I'm doing with the Committee for Safe and Secure Elections is focused on exactly what you're asking. And that is how do we address this issue of growing threats against election officials. Now, I do want to say this, that I think transparency and openness in elections is very important. If you have a question about it, you shouldn't have a barrier to getting an answer to your question about elections. When people cross the line and threaten, then it becomes a problem. Thank you, Ashika, for conducting that interview and huge gratitude to Neil Kelly for sharing with us what election season looks like for our election officials. Our second intern, Aishat, had the opportunity to sit down with a super volunteer from our election protection program, Valerie Morishiga. Our volunteers spot voters in distress and help them out. They also identify problems in voting sites and then get them addressed. For example, our poll monitors might see that a voting site doesn't have translated voting materials out and available for voters, or curbside voting for voters with mobility difficulties that make it impossible for them to leave their cars and enter the voting site. Our volunteers can 
can do resolve problems of that kind promptly and professionally. But that's not even all. Our volunteers also report detailed observations about every voting site. And then California Comic Cause is then available to analyze the data after election day and compile a report on each county's performance. We say how many voting sites had adequate parking, how many opened on time, how many had extended wait times, how many had non-functioning accessible voting machines for people with disabilities, and so on. These reports are vital to improving future elections. We've been able to sustain this program for over a decade because of the amazing team of volunteers that come back to participate election cycle after election cycle. Our volunteers are the cheerleaders in the voting process and create a real impact for everyday voters. I spoke to one of our biggest cheerleaders who has volunteered at our election protection program not once, not twice, but three times and she will be returning this November, Valerie Morishiga. Valerie has been a poll worker for over 20 years and she loves talking to people about voting. In the run-up to this election, Valerie has been busy with conducting voter registration drives in Little Tokyo. I'm so happy to be speaking with you today and thank you again for your time. And I'll just dive right in with some questions, if that's okay. Great, let's do this. Alrighty. So when did you first become interested in or involved with civic engagement and election protection efforts? It was when my political science teacher in college said, you all should work for the election and be poll workers. And... It's just that one little remark, a side remark that she said during class. I don't know how many people took that seriously, but I just went and signed up and, and I was working the elections. And I learned so much about how our system works and how secure it is and all the amazing people involved in making sure that we all get to exercise our most fundamental rights that you know I was hooked. And so I've been involved in that ever since. That's amazing. Wow. Go political science teacher. <laughs> yes. What was your first voting experience like? Did you start young? So it was that same teacher that told us to be a poll worker that told us to also vote. She, she was such a catalyst for so many things. So, you know, you never know what ripples you'll have with how you encourage folks to get involved. It was a really contentious election, too. It was the Al Gore election. Yeah, so it was, you know, back in the day when we had to, like, punch the cards and... I thought that was fascinating, but now that I see our new ballot marking devices, you know, the nostalgia for those punch cards is completely gone. I love the new technology now. That's awesome. Yeah, glad you've come a long way. Yes. Do you think, um, how many years have you been involved with election protection work, and what does it mean to you to be a voting rights advocate? So if I'm not being a poll worker, then I'm I'm working election protection. It just depends on my schedule. Yeah, so now that elections are 
Okay. Boat centers are open for either 11 or four days. It's a little bit harder to fit into my schedule and to commit to that. So I'm really thankful that I can still participate in, in our elections through being an election protection worker. And Common Cause is amazing because we get all of the resources we need to make sure the vote is going smoothly and that voters are getting all the assistance they need. And I think another side benefit is that I get to talk to the amazing people that work at vote centers and I learn so much from them and they're so inspiring the stories I hear I just kind of go to be a cheerleader for the entire voting process and so it's it's really great to have those connections and conversations with folks inside the vote centers how do you feel that you've personally made an impact on election accessibility to an individual. So during the primaries, when they rolled out the new ballot marking devices in LA County, I was at the Ace Hotel where people were waiting in line for five hours. And there was one of our elders who was waiting in line to vote. And, you know, it was just a really difficult situation, but I was able to get her to fill out the interactive sample ballot and get a QR code. And we scanned that QR code into the ballot marking device. And so she was able to load up her votes like in 20 seconds after she was able to fill that out on the cell phone, county provided cell phone that I had as a poll worker. So that was a way that I could make sure that, you know, her needs were taken care of and that as a voter that her voice was heard. And afterwards she said, oh my gosh, you're my voting angel. And I said, thank you. But, you know, we're here to provide the service that we can to folks and make sure that, you know, if they have to sign up for a political party, that we make sure that we do that so that they can vote in the primaries. Or if, you know, we have to provide same day registration, we can do that also. So just making sure that we we can provide all of the amazing resources and, and you know, we, we have so much we can do here in California with same day voting and motor voter registration. And, you know, we have so many fantastic programs. So just making sure that everyone has access to that and people are so appreciative. They want to vote. And so I'm there to help them make that happen. That is amazing. I love that. The angel part, that's amazing. Yeah. And you never know, like, mm-hmm. the small things can be really big to someone. That's great. Um, have you seen any improvements in the California election administration process throughout your time as a volunteer? Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. Uh, back in the day, we had the terrible punch cards the ink would get smeary. We'd have to put it through like a verifier to make sure that the the circles were being read correctly. You know, it, it was just a mess. But, but now it's so much easier with the new ballot marking devices. And also the fact that you can vote at any vote center. I remember my poll, polling location was somebody's garage and they had no parking and it was all the way up a hill. So it was really inaccessible. But now that you can go to any vote center and you know if you're driving around during the voting period you'll see them everywhere so they're in really accessible locations i remember i was driving to the vote center that i was assigned to and i actually passed three other vote centers on the way there so if you pay attention you'll start seeing them you know 
everywhere you look. So it's so much more accessible now and you can go to any vote center, which is so amazing. And the extended times are also fantastic. They're, I believe they're open from 10 to 7 for the early voting days. And then on, you know, election day, it's much longer hours. So there's so many ways and so many times that you can vote now as compared to before. So, uh, and we all get our vote by mail ballot. So that's, it's all been steady, but amazing progress. Yeah, those are great things to take note of with the upcoming election for everyone to know. So thank you. And I guess also from a perspective of a volunteer, um, what aspects of the elections in California do you still think might need to be improved? One thing I think we can improve on is a new Voters' Choice Act, like a 2.0 version. So now that we can vote in any part of any vote center within the county, I think it would be amazing if we could vote in any county because there are a lot of folks that work in different counties, especially if they're living closer to those boundaries. You know, with working hours and with traffic, it's it might be hard to get back into your home county to vote in time. Even with vote by mail ballots, some people do still prefer to go to a vote center. Maybe you haven't registered in time to get your vote by mail ballot, or maybe you moved so you didn't receive your vote by mail ballot. There's so many reasons why. Maybe you need language assistance or maybe you prefer to listen to the audio on the ballot marking device to help you while you're making your choices. So there's a lot of reasons why people prefer to go to a vote center. And so I think if we can make that possible for people voting in a different county, that would that would be amazing. Lastly, um, for advice for anyone listening, um, for those who may not have the time to volunteer at these polling places or even election protection um, programs, what ways can they get involved in produ- protecting democracy? The best way to protect democracy is to actually participate. So make sure that you vote, make sure that you call your electeds and let them know how you're feeling about legislation coming up, issues that you may be having in your community, things you'd like to see happen. Let them know. Write in. You can email also. You can also talk to their staffers. I think definitely participating is one way. Also talking to your friends, your neighbors, your family about voting and getting involved. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to change your entire life around. It only takes five minutes while you're drinking your coffee to call your rep and tell them, you know, what you think about certain legislation and how you think they should vote. And if you ask around, you'll find that people know what's going on, but they just maybe don't take that next step of actually reaching out to their electeds about it. So I think that's an easy way that everyone can get involved. Well, thank you so much for that advice. And of course, that it's a great one. Participate. Everyone get out there and vote. Thank you, iShot, for giving us that inside look into what motivates a volunteer to get involved and come back cycle after cycle to work with California Common Cause. And a huge thank you to Valerie and all of our stellar volunteers for the time, effort, and enthusiasm you bring to this work. As we mentioned in the beginning, election season is a busy and stressful time here at California Common Cause, but it's also exciting and deeply fulfilling to know that our work has a direct impact on how elections operate. 
An inclusive election is not an easy feat, and it's one that requires everyone's voice, perspective, and experience. The fact is, California is a model state and oftentimes shows the rest of the country what can be achieved when it comes to conducting a fair and inclusive election. But at the same time, we still have deep and persistent voter participation disparities, with voters of color and young voters participating at much lower rates than the rest of the electorate. And there is still plenty of work to be done when it comes to language access, disability rights, and countering misinformation in our democracy. And if you want to learn more about the even deeper systemic issues that we must address in our democracy, like gerrymandering and money in politics, please check out the previous episodes from season one of Democracy Is. And stay tuned for Democracy Is season two. We would like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to our season finale of Democracy Is. We have had an incredible time researching, writing, and producing these five episodes and we hope that they have helped demystify many of the issues related to democracy. We would be nothing without our listeners. That's you. If you have enjoyed our show, please be sure to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. It really helps bring a spotlight to our show and get it on more people's radars. Also, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or anyone you think might be interested. Thank you for listening to the Democracy is Podcast presented by California Common Cause. We hope you enjoyed our show and that you will join us in 2023 for season two. Research, writing, and editing was done by our team, which includes Maya Chubkov, Pedro Hernandez, Jonathan Metastein, Aishat Tiamyu, Ashika Srinivas, and myself, Alexandra Leal. Special thanks to Anthony Jacobs for his editing work on the interviews, opening and closing theme by Agosto Diniz, an original score by Pedro Hernandez. If you'd like to learn more about the work California Common Cause does, how to get involved, or if you'd like to donate to our work or this podcast, please visit www.commoncause.org forward slash California. You'll also find our page dedicated to the podcast, which is stocked with our show notes, background on our interviewees, and recommendations from staff for additional learning. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Thank you.